When we are connected to Jesus, we are blessed. Our lives are soaked in satisfaction and consumed with contentment. And it's all because of connection with Jesus. When we are connected to Jesus, we are blessed. When we are disconnected from Jesus, there's no way for us to experience a life that is soaked in satisfaction or consumed with contentment. But because of Jesus, because of who he is and how he has worked in time and eternity in your life and mine, when we are connected to him, when we have relationship with him, we are blessed. We are blessed because Jesus gives us good news that brings joy. We are blessed because he delivers hope in dark times. He gives us help when we are helpless. He seeks our good. He dismantles our fear. He defeats evil, and he delivers us from despair. This is the present and, and eternal work of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Tonight, today, we are looking... At Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. We're going to see who Jesus is. Uh, we're going to see that because of who Jesus is, we are blessed. As we begin this series uh, called Blessed, uh, I want to remind you, today we're looking at Mark 1, 1 through 8. We're looking at Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. And then next week, we're going to be looking at Jesus, uh, who uh, is the Holy One of God. And then the next week, we're going to look at Jesus, who is the great physician, and so on and so on. But what we're doing is we're focusing on Jesus. And as Mark unveils who Jesus is, we discover how connection with him brings blessing to us. Um, as we open this passage of Scripture, uh, we're looking at the first eight verses on, in our midweek Bible study, which is online on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock. Uh, this Wednesday, we're looking at verses 9 through 13. Uh, and then the next Wednesday, we'll be looking at verses 14 and 15, and so on and so on. We, uh, through uh, both Sunday morning and Wednesday and our midweek online Bible study will cover the whole of Mark's gospel. Uh, we've already covered much of it, but we'll cover uh, the rest of it. So, invite you to join us midweek Bible study, 6 o'clock online, uh, as this week we look at verses 9 through 13, specifically as we see uh, how that we have uh, are the uh, uh, we through Christ are approved by God and accepted by God. Uh, we are under the umbrella of God's pleasure. All right. Uh, so Mark one one through eight. We're going to read this. Uh, join me as we read this together, and uh, I'll read it out loud. You don't have to read it out loud. I'm reading from the New King James Version, verse one. The beginning of the gospel. Of Jesus the Christ. Now, gospel there is a specific word. Anytime you see gospel uh, in the New Testament, you can automatically think good news. 
Because that's exactly what the word means. It's a Greek word, euangelion, and it means good message, good word, good news. Uh, So Mark says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Verse 4, John, this is the messenger of the Messiah. Uh, Verse 2, the prophets uh, said, behold, I sent a messenger before your face. Verse 4, this is the messenger, John the Baptist. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him, and they were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate peanut butter and chocolate. Well, he ate locusts and wild honey, but that must have been his peanut butter and chocolate. Verse 7, and he preached, this was his message, saying, there comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I'm unworthy to stoop over and unloose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So we look at this passage, I I want you to understand, and I want us to be gripped by the good news that Jesus delivers. Now, we need good news. We, we need good news. Everybody needs good news. We live in a land of bad news. It makes sense. We live in a land that is filled with darkness and despair because so many people are separated from God by sin. We live in a land of bad news, but Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, has come to bring good news. We need good news. We need good news uh, because so much of our life is consumed with troubles and trials and trauma and tragedy. You wake up in the morning and troubles will greet you like the waves greeting the seashore. And you wish the rhythm of those waves would stop, but the troubles keep coming. Sometimes those waves, those waves of troubles will come crashing in with great ferocity, and other times they're just a constant pain, easing in, lapping up against your soul. One of the memories that I carry with me as a young boy, our family uh, went Uh, When I was four or five years old, our family went up the East Coast. We lived in Knoxville, Tennessee. We drove from Knoxville to the uh, the East Coast and and then drove up the eastern seaboard. We saw great sights, Liberty Bell and, and Plymouth Rock and things like that. Wonderful, wonderful things. But what I remember, other than my older brother getting lost in New York City, what I remember... What I remember most about that trip was... Uh, one evening, we'd been driving all day, and uh, it was, uh, the sun had just set, 
And my dad said, come on, bud, let's get out and let's go look at the ocean. And we had made it all the way up to Maine. And even though it was dark, we weren't going to spend any time in Maine. We were going to spend the night, get up, and start driving back. But Dad said, let's go look at the water. So we got out of the car, and we heard the waves long before we saw the waves. There was a ferocity in those waves. They weren't just gently touching the rocks. They were smashing up against the rocks over and over and over again. And as we got closer to the rocks, you could feel the the spray of the seawater bursting into your face. It It was ferocious and it was frightening. And I remember it to this day. Some of you... You're going through those type troubles. They're not easy. Uh, They're they're not troubles that you can just uh, wish away or think away or meditate away. They're they're troubles that greet you with full force and overwhelm you with ferocity and fear. And yet, today... Because of Jesus, I've got some good news. The good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. He is more powerful than the persistent pain of our troubles. He is more deliberate and more diligent and more determined to overcome our troubles. There is no pain. There is no problem. There is no force that is mightier than Jesus. And he is with us and he is for us. So today, as you meet the crashing waves of your troubles full force, understand there is good news. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, has come. When we connect with Jesus, we are blessed because he is the Christ, the Son of God, who delivers Uh, us from the grip of the bad news, and he delivers God's good news to us. And Jesus is the one who is promised. Now, uh, just uh, take a few moments and and, and dig into verse 1. D- verse 1 is the theme of Mark's gospel, and it makes sense, all right? So here's what I, I want you to know about Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel was written... Uh, in uh, uh, around 60 AD, and it was written to the church in Rome around 60 AD. Uh, The church in Rome in 60 AD was facing the smashing and the crashing of troubles because there was an emperor named Nero. Nero was famous for two things playing the violin and killing Christians. I don't know if he played the violin, but I know he killed Christians. If you were a follower of Jesus, your life expectancy was very brief. You would be found out and you would be killed. Nero was particularly forceful and fearsome in his attack of the church 
in Rome. So when Mark is writing this gospel to the church in Rome, he wants them to hear good news. A good news that would meet them in the morning when they're facing the loss of job, the abandonment of family, and even death. He wanted them to see that good news is wrapped up in the person of Jesus, who is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Messiah who was proclaimed by the prophets. Verse 2, uh, and, and follow it, this is the one that the prophets proclaimed, as it is written. And then Mark has his mashup of, uh, of uh, Old Testament passages. That mashup of Old Testament passages um, described the Messiah who would be led in time by a messenger. Um, and he's talking about John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist and Old Testament prophecy, uh, even when, uh, when uh, uh, the prophets talked about the messenger, it wasn't about the messenger of the Messiah, but rather it was about a Messiah who had a messenger. Do you see the difference? Whenever you see this idea or the, the, the Old Testament prophecy of the messenger, John the Baptist, in New Testament, John the Baptist, it's not about the messenger of the Messiah, but rather, even in verse 2, it's about the Messiah who has a messenger. Everything about the prophecies proclaiming the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, um, even the point at which he would have a messenger who would pave the way for his coming. Everything was about God's promised one who would come and take an upside-down world and set it right side up. Here's good news, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one, the one the prophets proclaim, the, the one who, uh, whose way has been prepared by John the Baptist, Jesus has come to take your upside-down world and set it right side up. And he makes that commitment for those who belong to him every single day. You've got an upside-down world. You belong to Jesus Christ. You are blessed. You've got a Messiah, a Savior, a Rescuer who will come and set you right side up, even in an upside-down world. Jesus is the Christ, but he's also the Son of God. Now, again, Son of God is perhaps the most important or significant title that Mark uses in his gospel. And remember, he's trying to give good news to those who are suffering under the weight, the crashing waves of persecution. And so when he uses the phrase Son of God, especially in the context of Rome, he was saying a lot. Stuff we don't get because we're not living in Rome in the first century. Uh, from a Jewish perspective, uh, all the scholars and the scribes and religious dudes from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that gap in between, a lot of Jewish writings took place then, and none of those Jewish writers, scholars, scribes, none of them used the phrase or the title Son of God. If it was used, it was used uh, uh, as an exception to prove the rule that you weren't supposed to use it. That title, Son of God, wasn't used by Jewish uh, 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 scholars and scribes because they were afraid the very title 
would ascribe to someone that he was like God, equal to God. They were afraid that it would elevate a person to a status or a stature equal to God. And so they avoided that phrase altogether. In the Roman context, they had no problem using Son of God. In fact, Augustus Caesar famously called himself a Son of God and ascribed to himself divinity, deity. I am a God. And the emperors that followed, even Nero himself, said, I'm a son of God. I have godlike qualities. I'm godlike. So when Mark uses the title in the very first few words of his gospel, he was shouting to the church at Rome that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of God. From a Jewish ear, it would say, he's saying that Jesus is equal to God. And the answer would be yes. From the Roman ear, they would, they would hear, oh my goodness, Jesus is son of God at a, uh, in opposition to Roman emperors. And Mark would say, yes. Now, what does that mean to us today? It means simply this. Jesus uses the, t- uh, Mark uses the title for Jesus, son of God, to say that Jesus, who is the Messiah, is also the preexistent one who was there before time began with God, who lived in intimacy with God, the second person of the Trinity, who has come to overturn and overpower and overwhelm every other force that would stand against him. When we see Son of God, and, and if you've been in church for a while, you hear that Son of God and you think, well, that's a good title. Oh, but it's so much bigger than that. Son of God is used in Mark's gospel the same way that logos or word is used in John's gospel. In Mark 1.1, 1, 1, uh, the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the logos, was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The declaration of John 1, 1 and 2 is the same as the declaration of Mark 1, 1, that Jesus is the preexistent one, God himself, who has become flesh and dwelt among us. Friends, the bedrock, the bedrock of our belief about who Jesus is, is simply this. He is God, the second person of the Trinity, who became flesh and bone to rescue us from the plight and the power of evil and sin and darkness and helplessness and weakness to take our upside-down world and set us right side up in the midst of that world. You feel like you're upside down? Here's the answer. Connect with Jesus. Jesus now, listen to my language because it's very, y'all might think I just make all this stuff up as I'm standing here because I never look at notes. My language is very intentional. And by the way, I'm not making any of this. I, I, it's in my notes. All right, so, which I never look at. Our world is upside down. That's reality. 
Jesus has come to take you and me and set you and me right side up in an upside down world. I'm not saying he's making our world right side up. That comes later. That comes at the second coming of Jesus. But right now, in this in-between time, Jesus wants you to know that, yes, you're living in an upside-down world which causes waves to crash upon your soul and troubles to crash upon your soul and thrash you and, and cause all kinds of dilemma and despair for you. But Jesus, when you're connected with him, he is the Son of God. He is the Christ who has come to set you right side up to stand Firm, secure, satisfied, and content, even in an upside-down world. When we are connected with Jesus, we are blessed. We are blessed because Jesus delivers the good news of forgiveness. The primary problem, the fundamental problem for you, for me, and for our world is not our circumstance. It's not, our, it's, it's not people around us. It's, it's, not, it's not the government. The fundamental problem in our world today is sin. Yours and mine. The very thing that creates an obstacle between us and God, the very thing that creates a barrier between us and blessing is my sin. It's sin that kills us. It's sin that destroys us. It's sin that, that maims us. It's sin that causes us to limp through life listlessly and without purpose. It is sin that separates us from God, therefore separates us from life. Our fundamental problem is our sin. And certainly, we can look at our circumstances and say, man, if my circumstances would change, I'd be happy. Uh, not for long. I mean, come on. Let's just be honest. Let's just be honest. Living in this world carries with it the trauma of troubles every single day. Circumstances are not going to go your way. Problems are going to wake you up in the morning. That's part of life. It's part of life in a fallen world. The answer for us, the answer for us is to connect with Jesus. If we want to have the strength we need to stand in the face of the problems that are crashing in on us, whether it's our family, whether it's our finances, whether it's our physical um, uh, well-being, uh, whether it's relationships, whether it's work, whether it's play, whatever it is, whether it's our uncertainty about tomorrow, whatever it is, We've got to connect to Jesus if we're going to be blessed, if we're going to be uh, filled with satisfaction and contentment. We've got to get to Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can get us to God. And that's where the preaching of John the Baptist and the preaching of Jesus gives us 
the key. John the Baptist came preaching repentance for the, and baptism for the forgiveness of sin. And everybody came, and they were baptized at the Jordan River by John, confessing their sins. Go down to verse 15, 14 and 15. Mark 1, 14 and 15. After John was put into prison, Jesus came, preaching, came to Galilee preaching the good news of the kingdom. And this is what he preached, verse 15. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Now, what is the good news? It's not a what, it's a who. It's Jesus. Jesus, the bringer of good news, is himself the good news. And if we want to taste the blessing of God's good news in our everyday life, we got to get to Jesus. We got to believe on Him. We've got to believe that He is our only hope for rescue from our fundamental problem, which is sin. But when we come to Jesus in repentance, when we say, yes, I have sinned against a holy God, the maker of the universe who created me, and my basic problem is I'm disconnected from him because I've sinned against him. But I come to God turning from my sin, and I look to Jesus as my only hope, the Christ, the Messiah, the rescuer, the one who has set uh, uh, the path for me to be free and forgiven from my sin. I look to Jesus, and I believe that his death on the cross was payment for my sin, and his resurrection from the dead is what gives me hope and a new life. I look to Jesus. I believe on Jesus. I turn from my sin. I trust in my Savior. And I am rescued. And I'm brought into relationship with Jesus. I connect with Christ. The only way you can connect with Christ is turn from your sin and trust in Jesus. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. Look, I stand here before you today an imperfect man, a failed man, a sinful man, but praise God, I'm a forgiven man, all because of Jesus. This past Thursday, um, we had, uh, I have a granddaughter. Her name is Lucy. I have another granddaughter. Her name is Nora. Thursday, Edie uh, and Maggie went to pick up Nora for a couple of days. She got to have a sleepover at mommy, uh, Grandmommy and Poppy's house, and so uh, picked her up, and, and uh, she was particularly active on Thursday, and so uh, I think it was Maggie had a bright idea. Let's take her to the beach, and so they made their way down to the beach, and uh, uh, they texted me and said, we're going to the beach um, with Nora, and Nora would love to see her poppy at the beach. Why don't you come? And uh, I had a meeting that I was supposed to go to, um, a group of guys I meet with once a month, and I was, I was supposed to meet with them, but I, I, I have a granddaughter. <laughs> so I texted, texted my guys and said, texted the guys and said, uh, um, Edie's at the beach with, with Nora, and I'm going to go. And, and so, and of course, they were excited that I got to spend time with my granddaughter. And uh, so um, I left the office, got in the car about 545, left early, and, and started making my way down to the beach. I never go that way at 5 or 6 o'clock. <laughs> what in the world? Um, 
Anyway, I made my way from here to the beach. Crazy. Uh, started trying to, man, I was trying to d- dodge traffic and everything. Finally made it to the beach, and uh, Edie's following me on Find My Friends. Um, wives, if you can't follow your husbands on Find My Friends, you need to change that today. Amen? I don't, not a lot of amens, but there needs to be. Anyway, uh, Edie saw when I pulled into the parking lot, and she called me, and, and she came and met me. And you all know how it is. You've got a street, and then you've got a sand uh, dune and then, but, uh, that separates you from the beach. And, but there are these little pathways in between. And, and so Edie came walking out and, and met me, and she and I start walking back. And as we start walking back, uh, Maggie and Mallory, my other daughter, were there, and they were holding Nora, and they turned around, and they pointed uh, to Poppy, and she got down. She started running toward me, and, and, uh, and, and finally, when, when, when we got there, uh, I opened my arms, and she opened her arms, and, and I held her and, and picked her up, and, and she turned around and looked at the ocean, and here's what she said. She said, Poppy! Welcome to the beach. Come on. It's great. It's like she made the reservation. And I get to be there. Jesus, the Son of God, has made a reservation for you to meet with forgiveness, to fill your soul with joy. Because your sin is many, but through Christ, God's mercy is more. Jesus opens his arms to you, and he picks you up, and he says, now you are forgiven. You are accepted, and you are approved. Welcome to the family. Today, no matter the waves that crash, on me. I am forgiven. I am right side up in an upside down world. But it's not only the good news of forgiveness, it's also the good news of God's presence. When we are connected to Jesus, we are blessed, not only because we've been forgiven our sin, but also because When we connect with Jesus, we are connected to God's presence. Now, look again at what John the Baptist said about Jesus. He said, there is one coming after me who is mightier than I. Lean into mightier than I because we're going to come back to that in a second. There is one coming after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am unworthy to stoop down and loose. I baptize you with water. Verse 8, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, what's that mean, baptized with the Holy Spirit? What, uh, what, what's, what's the comparison between being baptized with water and being baptized with the Holy Spirit? Well, I can tell you what he's not talking about. He's not talking about uh, the church at Corinth and speaking in tongues and a second blessing of the Holy Spirit. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about even what happened in Acts chapter 2, um, the visible signs of the uh, Spirit of God falling upon people. But he is talking about Joel chapter 2 where uh, God prophesies that there will be a day when he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh 
and, and we will live in immediate intimacy with God. He is talking about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, that tells us that when we are connected to Jesus Christ, that we now are brought into God's family, no longer strangers or foreigners from the covenant or promise of God, but now we are sons and daughters living by God's Spirit in immediate intimacy with God. We are the temple of the Spirit of God. We have God's presence with us. This is the promise of Jesus. It is no longer God is some good idea. He is no longer, it's no longer God is some distant deity. But now when we are connected to Jesus by his Spirit, we are connected intimately to the very person of God. This is not something that we drum up. It's not some religion that we pursue. It is a relationship that meets us in the morning, no matter the waves of trouble crashing against our soul. We are with God. He is with us. Guys, listen. I know that so many here, you've been a Christian for a while, and, and, and this becomes commonplace. But don't lose sight of the awesomeness of this reality that the creator of the cosmos is holding my hand. He's with me. He's for me. Nora, on Friday, different Nora story. You're getting two today. On Friday, um, I was out in... Uh, we have a flower bed in our backyard, and I was out there pulling weeds because somehow the, when spring hits and it gets temperature, that the weeds begin to grow. And so I'm out there, and it's a big, big uh, uh, section, and I'm, I'm pulling weeds. I'm pulling weeds. I'm pulling weeds. And it's hot work. It, it, you know, my, my knees started hurting, and my, my, my elbows were hurting. My, uh, my fingers were hurting, and my back was hurting, it was a tough job, right? And Nora came over and, and she, she said, Poppy, what are you doing? And I said, I'm pulling weeds. She said, oh, I'll help. And, and, and then she got distracted by a butterfly or something and, and, and went away, and, and, and which was fine. And so I'm sitting there still pulling weeds. And she went over and, and she hung out with Grandmommy for a second and, and, and then uh, all of a sudden, I see her coming down the steps of our deck and, and running toward the uh, flower bed. And she runs as fast as those little legs would carry her, and she jumps into the flower bed, and she says, Poppy, I'm here for you. Come on. The coming of Jesus, the Son of God, and our connection with him means that God is here for you. Whew. Isaiah chapter 41, um, uh, God made a promise to his people to set the world right, but also to set them right side up. In Isaiah, 51, uh, Isaiah 41 verse 10, uh, the prophet sa God says through the prophet, he says this, he says, fear not for I am with you. Fear not, I'm with you. 
Don't be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. I'll hold you up by my righteous right hand. Now that's the promise. That's Isaiah 41.10. In Isaiah 42, he tells us how he's going to fulfill that promise. The beginning of Isaiah 42, beginning with Isaiah 42, God tells us about a suffering servant, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. The way we get to the fear not The way we get to the be not dismayed. The way we get to I am your God and I am with you. The way we get there is through Jesus, the bringer of good news. He says, I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. Because when we have Jesus, we have the mightier than I with us. We have the one who is mightier than disease. We'll see that we have the one that is mightier than all forces of evil. We have the one that is mightier than the storms raging or chaos swirling or death knocking. We have the one who is mightier than every single wave that crashes into our soul. Jesus, God with us. So today, friends, my prayer for you is that you would lean into your connection with Jesus Christ. When we're connected with Jesus, we are blessed. Our life is soaked in satisfaction, consumed with contentment. When we are connected with Jesus, he delivers good news that brings us joy. He brings Hope in the darkest times. He brings healing when we're helpless. He overpowers every evil. He he delivers us from our despair. If you're a follower of Christ today, here's my challenge. Man, don't start your day without taking time to connect with the bringer of good news. Let him talk with you and you talk with him. Experience and know the power of his presence in your life. But there are some here today who are not connected to Jesus. You've never been transformed by God's grace. Your sin remains on your account. You haven't looked to Jesus to forgive your sin. You haven't turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus. And today, you lack blessing. So I invite you today to come to Christ. I invite you this morning to connect with Jesus and find the blessing of being made right with God in an upside-down world. 
In a few moments, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together. And when we sing together, if you are here and you long to connect with Jesus for the first time in your life, I invite you to come and talk to one of the ministers that will be down here at the front. And share with them, I, I need to connect with Jesus. I'm separated from him. My sin remains unforgiven. I need Jesus. And when we begin to sing from the very first note that is played, you come and you tell one of these that will be up here, look, I, I need to connect with Jesus. Can you help me? And we will help you walk across the bridge that Christ's cross has built from sin to a son or a daughter of the living God. Father, right now, I pray that you would, by your grace, awaken the faith and the courage that is needed in this moment for every person who is far from you, separated from you by their sin. I pray, O oh God, that, that by your Holy Spirit, you would awaken in them the faith to believe Jesus, the good news, and, and the courage to respond to your call for rescue. I pray that you would open their eyes and their hearts to trust Jesus and turn from their sin. And I pray that you would put strength in their legs to come and talk to one of the ministers here at the front. Now, God, be glorified as we worship you, as we adore you, as we set our gaze upon you. Be glorified in this moment as we worship you.